Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. Amen. Amen. He's so good. He's so faithful. If you'll grab a seat, Alex, will you stay with me? Someone's going to need to grab you a stool. I'm just going to keep you here for a few minutes. If you'll grab a seat. I'm just going to jump right in for a few moments. Just want to um, encourage you with the word of the Lord today. And um, I think it's only proper if we're going to have an onward offering and give to talk about what it means to live a life of generosity. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. I love that, right? Paul is he's saying, hey, I'm going to urge you in view of God's mercy. I'm going to look at God's mercy, and then I'm going to urge you, encourage you, spur you on. Because of what I'm looking at, here's what I'm about to say to you. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I don't know if you know this, but in all of the Old Testament leading up to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, the final sacrifice, it was required of God that there would be a sacrifice. And to sacrifice something from the Old Testament all the way to the time of Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but a sacrifice requires death. And how only God, only in the kingdom of God, could all sacrifices for all of humanity require death of a living thing? But when it comes to us following Jesus after his death, you and I, for the first time in all of history, are invited to be living sacrifices. There is a death that happens, a death to yourself, a death to your old life, your old ways, your sinful nature, but you and I get to be living sacrifices. Write these three things down. There's three T's of generosity, if you will. Your time, your treasure, and your talent. Your time, your treasure, and your talent. These three things um, are the the three things that you can bring to the Lord continually and consistently, and in them, as you bring them to him, you don't bring them to him to get something, but as you live a life bringing these three things, your time, your treasure, and your talents to the Lord, you will find what he came to give you, a full life. Shauna's papa, who just went to glory, I... I could not imagine Papa looking at you, and I can tell you all the way up until, you know, dementia set in, he would have never looked at a living soul and said, yeah, a lot of time, a lot of treasure, a lot of talent. I wish I would have never done it. It was all worth it to the very end. Traditionally, these three things, you know, there's not a scripture that says give your time, your treasure, and your talent. Traditionally, theologians would pull this idea from Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, you know, one of the cool things about the Good Samaritan story is even people who don't believe in God would listen to it and be like, yeah, that was a good thing. Me and Summer Kate last night, I took her on a daddy-daughter date night. We went and watched a movie, and we were at Panera talking, and we were talking about how there are people who walk away from God and choose not to believe in God. And she was like, 
but how? He's good. Her eight-year-old mind is like, that's dumb, right? So like, what do you mean people who don't believe in a good God? And, but in her eight-year-old mind, what she also understood, and she said this, she said, but daddy, even people who don't believe in God, they still want good things, right? I was like, right. She was like, well, then that must mean that they came from God because God is good. And I was like, baby, you, you're preaching right now. I'll give you a microphone tomorrow. But traditionally, the idea of your time, talent, and treasure comes from Luke chapter 10. You know, he gave his time to help the man. Um, he used his talents to tend to the man's wounds. And then he gave of his money, his treasure, to pay for a man to have a place to stay for the night. We can also see the idea of um, time, treasure, and talent, um, specifically the time and the treasure in John 12 when Mary comes with the alabaster jar of perfume. I don't know if you've ever sat to really process that. I don't know what your yearly annual income is, but the Bible says that this alabaster jar that she walks in, she barges into a dinner she's not invited to, and she pours out a salary's worth, a year's salary's worth of perfume. The religious are indignant. They're, they're ticked. They're like, what is she doing? I mean, thinking of Adam coming up here. We, we could have taken this and sold it and given it to the poor. And Jesus makes a really powerful statement, which I'm thankful that we were able to buy so much of the food to, to bless for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. But Jesus makes a powerful statement by saying, hey, the poor are always going to be with you, but I won't always be here. She's done a right thing. In other words, poverty, you'll have the opportunity all of your lifetime to be able to support and bless those that are impoverished. But she had found her one thing. She was willing to pour it all out. Take the time, take the treasure. We also see it in the lives of the disciples. Literally their three years, time, their talents. He said, specifically to the fishermen, he said, fishermen, he said, drop your nets, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, using their talent, and then treasure. I mean, he literally said, hey, you're going to give it all. He said, you're not really going to have a place to lay your head. And, you know, we would see theologically and, and historically that the, the disciples were young boys, under 18, except for Peter, because Jesus and Peter are the only two that had to pull coins out of the fish to pay tax. So we know that they're teenage age boys. And so they probably like, oh, pretty cool. We get to go on tour with this like crazy Jesus guy, right? But they, they just gave of all of it. Time, treasure, talent. Time, treasure, talent. When you give your time, your treasure, and your talent, what I've found is that your perspective shifts from being selfish to selfless. You know nobody had to teach you how to be selfish, right? I have twin one-year-old girls. No one had to teach these babies to snatch and push and yank. Poor Rivy, she just grew hair better than Coastland. Coastland still just looks like, you know, uh, a man who's got a receding hairline, and Coastal's reaching over and grabbing Rivy's hair and just, yick, just yanking her when she has a toy. That I'm just like, no one had to teach them this. Why? It's our sin nature. But when you give of your time, your treasure, and your talent, it will shift your perspective from being selfish to being selfless. I would say it this way. It moves you to be a, being a contributor instead of a consumer. Often in following Christ, I find that there's a lot of people in American church with this consumer mindset, right? I come to church, and church is going to give me something. And what happens when you have a consumer mindset is that you come to church, and it keeps you jaded. It keeps you lackluster. 
You come to church to get something, but that's not the principle of the kingdom. The principle of the kingdom is whatever you sow is what you reap. So in the kingdom, it's not to come and receive, it's to come and give. But the beauty of the principle of sowing is you never sow and not reap. Even beyond that, you don't plant one seed in the ground and only get one of those fruits or vegetables back. You always get more. When you give of your time, your treasure, and your talent into the, the kingdom of God, I want you to know what happens is it actually preserves your gifts. There are a lot of people that I've ran into. I, I truly believe, you know, Pastor Jonathan, our worship pastor, and, um, you know, Brianna for years in ministry with us before moving here. And I, I always kind of joked with friends starting a church, you know, Joe, who plays drums. I taught him to play drums when he was in ninth grade. He was terrible. He's great now. Um, he's better than I am. So that's why I say he was terrible because he's so good now. Um, Alex was with us years and years ago and been with us for a while. And and then we've ran in and met Noel and then Brett, who's up here today. And there's many others who help serve on worship and even the guys in the back production. So many gifts, so many talents, right? And, and I always kind of joked when we launched the church, it was like, man, it was kind of unfair. We didn't have to go find some people who had the talent in worship. It was already there. But one of the things that I can tell you in many moments in the presence of God is I've never watched anyone's talent change someone. I've watched someone take their talent, sow it into the kingdom, and then I've watched the king walk in the room and change people. But I've never watched a talent change someone's life. We give our time, our treasure, and our talents. We sow them into the soil of the kingdom, but then God does the work. In other words, we are spiritual contributors and not spiritual consumers. Many people are like, man, what, what makes Voyage different? Well, Voyage doesn't have any different mandate than any other church, and there's incredible churches doing the work of the Lord. But we, I will tell you, from our leadership down, we are just not consumers. Like, even in worship, right? I know I'm 35 now. I don't care when I'm 65. Your boy's still going to be down here with young people dancing, jumping, and praising. And if there's no young people down here, do you know where I'll be? Right there, because when the church was launched, Shauna and I sat right there in a different auditorium. We were the only two people in the front row. I can remember some other people. Actually, I can remember Josh and Allie, you guys bringing some friends, and your friends had their hands on the back of the seat. And I, I looked back one time in worship, and I don't even think they looked at the worship team one time. They were just staring at Shauna and I because we had our hands lifted and we were worshiping. I don't know if they had ever seen that before. But I'm, I'm, I'm not a consumer. I'm a contributor. I show up with an offering of praise. And so I want you to know that your time, your treasure, and your talent is what you have on this side of heaven to bring to the Lord. But what about when we're in this battle, this struggle? Romans chapter 7. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who raised you from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, I want you to notice that's fruit for God, not fruit for people. God takes the fruit, and then he uses it to get people. God, Holy Spirit, draws people to repentance by his loving kindness. You don't save people. God does that. So we bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. 
But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. This is very important because you need to know that time, treasure, and talent, you know, maybe it's serving at church or maybe it's serving people at your work with the mindset, you are not doing this to get something from God. You have already received. Bringing your time, your treasure, and your talent, in other words, laying down your life is not to get something. You've already received it if you have received Christ. It is the proper response. It's the way we serve in the spirit because of newness. So time, treasure, and talent, I want to be very clear today as I'm, I'm just urging you, therefore, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices that we would be a church marked as people who contribute to the things of God. But I want to make sure that you don't leave here today thinking, I've got to do more to get more. You've already got it all if you've got Jesus. If you don't get another thing, you've got it all. But that's why we give our time, our treasure, and our talent. It's our proper response. Now, a little bit more in Romans 7, just to make sure that we're all on the same page here. I'm going to read this fast. It'll sound confusing, and then I'll give you one theological statement to make sure that we all go, oh, yeah. For we know, it's Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. For I am a flesh, sold into bondage of sin, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Anybody struggle with sin this way? But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but it's the sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, talking about the spirit, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. Paul is now saying the same thing over and over and over. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, for the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Are you ready for it to get more confusing? Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then... On the one hand, I find myself with the mind and serving the law of God, but on the other hand, my flesh, the law of sin. I want to give my time, my treasure, my talent, but Pastor John, I'm going to be honest, I'm struggling. There's times that I don't want to do that. I would rather do what would satisfy me, sometimes wanting to go back into old thought patterns and old habits and old ways. Well, of course you do, because if you're in this room today and you're 42 years old, and you gave your life to Jesus when you were, let's just say 30, you've lived the majority of your life obeying the law of sin and not the spirit. So you are more apt, you have more time, you have more time obeying the things of the flesh than the things of the spirit. Some of you are in here today, you're like, man, I'm in such a battle and I don't know what's wrong with me. If you're in a battle today of wanting to do what's right, 
but find yourself giving your time and your treasure and your talent to the things that are wrong, I've got good news for you. The only way that you're in a battle is if is also present with the flesh. So many Christians, like, there's something wrong with me. What's going on? In other words, you know what the theological statement is that I wrote down after Romans chapter 7? The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do them. And then, you know, the things that are in me, I don't like that they're there, but then I, I do it anyways. And then is it the law of God or is it the law of sin? What's going on? All this confusion, right? What does it mean? The struggle is real. The struggle's real for every person in this room. You lover of God, you've loved him for decades, and guess what? Those lustful thoughts still try to show up. Those lies that you believe for so long want to creep back in. Is there something wrong with you? No. It means that the spirit and flesh are both at work. But Paul says, who will save me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What you and I have to do is we have to make a choice beyond what we feel to constantly take our time, our treasure, and our talents and bring them to the king. Because the enemy is going to tell you, hey, if you use that talent a little bit more, like in your favor, you might make a little bit more money. You know, hey, if you just aren't honest with that right there, those financial records, you know, on taxes, like it'd be a little bit better. But the Lord requires all of it. And the struggle's real. And here's what we struggle with. We struggle with consistency. You and I struggle with consistency. Do you know anything that you've desired in this life? Many people are like, God, just give it to me. God, would you just give it to me? And there's only one thing lacking. God says, actually, in the spiritual realm, it's already been released. You just lack consistently, so, consistency, so you can't receive it. There are things that many of us are praying for and they're just on the other side of consistent obedience. They're literally there. God's like, oh, they're there. But you just told me that you were gonna start reading the word every day and you did it for six and a half days. Consistency is our battle. Last night, I'm at this daddy-daughter date night with Summer and we're talking about God and then she's asking all sorts. I love when kids ask deep theological question. She's like, so daddy, did God know that Adam and Eve were going to sin? And if he did, then what? And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, baby, daddy doesn't have all the answers. Um, I was like, but let me give you what, what I believe we see in scripture. And so I, I'm a, if you've ever been around me, I'm an analogy person. If you've ever been at a table and I've explained something, I've probably grabbed your drink or utensil and used it. And so I grabbed two drinks and I spaced them out and I was like, if Adam and Eve had kept obeying God, then the outcome would be continued intimacy with God. And they did obey God. They, they didn't just the first day disobey God. They had time of obeying him. I said, but then there's also the outcome of if they disobey God and then being separated. God knows all the outcomes, but he doesn't control your decisions. And so we're talking about consistency and last night, I had a moment with my eight-year-old daughter that I'll never forget. We talk about core memories. This thing is seared in my mind. I can see it like a videotape, and I'll see it for the rest of forever. We're talking about Adam and Eve. Just They could have just consistently chose to obey God. 
And we got on that talk about how God's good, but not everybody chooses to believe him or follow him. And I was like, baby, mommy and daddy know a lot of people who used to follow Jesus. I was like, you know, we, we, she calls him Uncle Jonathan and then Jonathan's wife, Aunt Courtney. And I was like, you know, we were with a lot of people for about a decade doing ministry and a lot of them have walked away. And you could just see her eyes and the confusion. And she's like, what? And I was like, baby, do you want to know the only difference between us and them? We're not better than them. We're not more spiritual than them. There's only one difference. We chose to stay and never walk away. And while I was sitting at Panera on Highway 90 last night, my eight-year-old looked across me. She said, Daddy, I want to say something to you and make you a pinky promise. I said, okay. And she stuck her pinky across. I don't know if this is like, you know, biblically accurate, but she's eight. Just go with it. She grabbed my, she grabbed my pinky and she looked at me. She said, Daddy, I'm never walking away. And I just began to weep at Panera, and I was holding her pinky, and I said, I'm going to hold you to that. She said, Daddy, I promise I'm never walking away. And I know for some of you, like, yeah, she's eight. But, yeah, eight-year-olds are the ones that Jesus said, you've got to become like one of these to get into the kingdom. We struggle with consistency. Giving your time, your treasure, and your talent will be the greatest joy of your whole life. And here's the thing. Paul's talking about this law and then this this spirit which brings life. And here's what I want you to know about the law. The law given by God, the Ten Commandments, it did not encourage obedience. It magnified disobedience. It had to. It had to show you and I that we couldn't do it. And, And here's the problem. Even as Christians in the West... We can take our time, our treasure, and our talents and use them as if we're obeying a law, trying to do enough to get to God. God, is that enough? God, are you pleased with that? When what God is pleased with is he's pleased with Christ, and when you say yes to Jesus, the Bible says you are now hidden in Christ. So when God goes looking for you, he's like, I can't find John. That's right, John's hidden in Christ. That's why I kept passing over. I noticed my son there, John is hidden in Christ. I'm pleased with John because I'm pleased with Christ and John is hidden within him and now John is taking this newness of life and he's just taking the time, the treasure and the talents and he's just giving them for the sake of the kingdom. So the law, the 10 commandments, you can drive by churches, they put the 10 commandments on. I'm not knocking the 10 commandments. I just want you to know Jesus came and he fulfilled them. You don't have to live your life trying to fulfill 10 commandments. Jesus said you can fulfill all of those in two things. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what do you do? You just find your one thing, which is Jesus. But though the law is not the vehicle to God, hear me today, the law is not the vehicle to God. What I mean is you cannot keep the 10 commandments and get to God. It will not happen. The law is not the vehicle to God, but hear me, it is the direction to God. And if the law is the direction to God, then who's the one that fulfills the law? Who fulfills the Ten Commandments perfectly? Jesus. Who gets you to God? Jesus. So fall in line behind the one who can fulfill it. It is Christ. In other words, the law indicated that there was a sickness in you and I. We're broken. I want to do good, but I can't, and I keep doing bad. There's something broken. So what does grace do? Grace brings the cure. What does grace allow? It allows you to consistently bring your time, your treasure, and your talents to the Lord. We get what we would call 
in scripture and theology, justification. You're made right in the eyes of God. By what? Your time, your treasure, and your talents? No. You're made right in the eyes of God by placing your faith in Christ. And once you place your faith in Christ, now there's this other word we call sanctification. It means to be set apart. That is why you can walk in a room with this guy leading worship, who I believe has an incredible anointing on his life, and you can be in the room in worship and experience something different than a concert. While I think we could put his voice up with anybody who's in a concert, why is it different? Because the talent is given in service to the king, not for him to get something. There's a difference. And when that happens, he's actually taking his talents and he's giving them to the work of sanctification, meaning this talent is being set apart for the king and not for me. Our time, our treasure, and our talents. And I'll close with this. We stand to your feet. If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I do have some, some time that I've been wasting. The Lord had me get off social media the month of December. Oh, man, how much time have I wasted? Maybe you've got some time. Some of you got a talent. Some of you got a talent to bring to the, the king. Some of you maybe today took the first step to bring a treasure to the king. And God, I'm going to trust you. This is kind of scary. And if you're in here today and you're like, man, I've got this, but I haven't been bringing it to the Lord. I got good news. You can repent. The word repent means to change your mind. You can change your mind and begin to bring your time, your treasure, and your talents to the Lord. But I want to I share this with you because it's really important to close with this. Because I believe so, every one of you are gifted in this room. There is not a person God creates and he doesn't put gift on the inside. And your gift can give you access and make room for you to share God with people, to share the love of God with people that not just anyone else can do. Not just anyone else can do it. But here's what happens many times. I meet people who love God or are, are trying to follow God, and they claim that they have convictions. I believe this. But what I find is, is that the character doesn't match the convictions. You know, we have this internship, and in our internship, our interns are not just like, you know, hey, man, you can live however the heck you want, and then you can, you know, serve Jesus on the weekends. No, we, we believe there's a scriptural command to your character being developed. It's actually, your character is attached to endurance. But I meet people who, they claim they have convictions and they don't have the character that match, and then you and I run into a problem. Remember that one friend you invited to church? You remember what they said to you? Oh, church is just full of hypocrites. Yes, you are too. Come on, we'd love to have one more. We have seats for plenty of hypocrites. But do you know what a a hypocrite really boils down to? The hypocrite problem really boils down to, it's just someone who acts like they don't struggle. Go ahead, say it with me. Look at somebody and say, I struggle. Go ahead, right now, look at them. Look at them. Say, I struggle. I struggle. Okay, look, we just dealt with the hypocrite problem in the room. Everybody good? 
No more hypocrites. Why? Because there's nobody here saying, I don't struggle. And if you do live as if you don't struggle, I just want to let you know you don't have to carry that weight around anymore. That is far too heavy of a weight for you to feel like you've got to carry around. Because Jesus said, come to me. And he'll take that burden. But when you serve God with your time, your treasure, and your talents, it starts developing your character to match your convictions. This last part, you can't miss this. These three things, your time, your treasure, and your talent, they'll give you access. Look at, look at Proverbs 18, 16. Proverbs 18, 16, it says this. A person's gift opens doors for him and brings him before the great. Your gifts will open up doors and get you before people with, with power. Maybe, maybe it's a business owner. Be like, man, we could, we could do some really cool stuff for, for our community if my boss got a hold of, like, the principle of generosity. Your gift could get you inside of that room to have that conversation. But hear me, church. Please do not miss what I'm about to tell you. You could have all the time, all the talent, and all the treasure in the world. But if your gift gets you in the room, your character keeps you in the room. And so here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of what? Character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You've got some time. You've got a talent. You've got some treasure to give to the Lord. We are not going to be a people who claim one thing and live a, dif a different thing. We're not going to be people who just try to consume, but people who contribute. But I want you to know, you you are not bringing your, your gifts to the Lord trying to get something from the Lord. He's already given you his Holy Spirit to fill your hearts and your proper response. Moving into 2024 would be a great opportunity for you and I to look at the landscape of our life and see where we've got some more time to carve out for the Lord. To see where we've got some talents that we've brushed under the rug or the busyness of life has, has overshadowed. And we just, we consider them a hobby and we've forgotten that they're a gift to be given back to the Lord. Some of us, there's some reordering of our, of our resources to be able to give more to the Lord. I am sharing this with you today because the things that God has put on the inside of you are preserved, taken care of, and developed and grown when you bring your time, your treasure, and your talents to God and say, God, what do you want? God, whatever you want. God, however you want to use these, it's for your glory. And so what I wanted to do to close service out today is if you're here and you're like, man, I know I've got some space in these three areas that, need, that I, I need to reprioritize. I need to repent. I need to change my mind. I don't want to just settle of, oh, I, you know, I, I gave a little bit to the church and I'm going to go back to, to my flow, to my life. If you follow Jesus in this room, it's no longer your life. It's his. You've been crucified with Christ. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anyone in this room today that would just, if it's you, I'd love to just identify you and talk with you after service. But is there anyone in here today who would say, I've never brought anything to the Lord, not even my life, 
and I feel aimless. I feel like there's no purpose, and I want to know purpose. I want to know love. If that's you today, would you lift your hand in the room? If that's you, yeah. Thank you. So uh, here's what I want to say to you. I'm going to be standing outside after service. You will have to walk past me unless you break the rules and exit a different way. I would love to have a conversation with you about what it means to find purpose in Jesus. For the rest of us in the room for these next few moments as the team leads, would you just invite the Holy Spirit in as the, as the psalmist would write, search me, O God. Would you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and search your time, to search your treasures, to search your talents? If there's anything that you've not been bringing to the Lord, trusting God with, would you ask him to reveal it in these next few moments? God, we trust you. God, everything we have was given to us by you. And so, God, we return it. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.